Are you, are, are you getting hot with rapture fever? You just want God to get us out of here? What if this national setback is really a divine setup for a spiritual comeback led by the family of faith? That's the voice of the popular actor and evangelist, Kirk Cameron, calling for a few brave souls who will speak light into darkness. We are going to talk about how we saw encouraging examples of that recently. Plus, Virginia is becoming an outlier in the South when it comes to its stubborn support of unlimited abortion. What does that mean for concerned citizens in our state? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. All right, well, before we get into today's topics, I do have an important announcement to make, and that is that our intrepid leader, Victoria, is being forced, or shall I say, highly encouraged by people who deeply care about her, to take her first ever little sabbatical. She has been leading this organization for almost 20 years now, and also being a mom to four precious kids at the same time, so... Board, our board members felt like she needed a little time for just some soul refreshment just to get away. She really hasn't gotten away for, like I said, some 20 years. So how are you feeling about this? I'm Victoria? excited. I actually am excited because our team is fantastic, so I don't worry about anything happening at work. And then, yeah, so I, I mean, I have two goals for sabbatical. I'm trying to be fully present with my family because it's hard to be fully present when you run an organization. You just always have emails and texts and things that just kind of make you half there and half not there. And so I'm excited to to do that. And then my other goal is to be fully present with God, to actually have more spiritual time um, and carve that out and dig into that. So, yeah. Yeah, but you said your kids are feeling a little bit of trepidation because you're going to be, you know, more full on, yes. full time. Yes, I think they're excited about, hey, like there's more time for vacations and these kind of things. But I think they're also very aware that there will be like screen time enforcement <laughs> and we do academic things over the summer. And it's not that they don't have to do that every summer, but I will actually be there to oversee yeah. it. And I think <laughs> that has them a little concerned. Yeah, that sounds yeah. reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know we're going to miss Victoria. We do have some exciting special guests lined up for yes. the next couple of months. It's, it's going to go by fast. It's just two months. But we want to stay close to Victoria in spirit. So some of you might remember this concept of flat Stanley. <laughs> and I guess the idea is it's based off a fictional children's book where this man is flattened by some events that happen in his life. <laughs> I won't go into all that, but he, he becomes flat and... Um, is able to go all these places and so it kind of became a thing where people take around like a laminated flat Stanley to amazing vacation places and send in their photos. So we thought we'd do our own version of that but we're going to use a sledgehammer. <laughs> Would you like to bring our audience up to speed real quick on yeah. why this is appropriate? <laughs> yeah, so I think we probably told this story before, but yeah, Terry uh, McAuliffe, when he was governor, uh, used to talk about, I'm going to be the brick wall for reproductive rights. And then um, after he was governor, he even went so far as in a fundraiser, basically talking about, 
complaining about the Family Foundation, and he talked about, you know, I'm the brick wall for, for reproductive rights, and Victoria Cobb tries to be the sledgehammer, like <laughs> we try to break through the wall or whatever. So, yeah, so I have a nice sledgehammer in my office, and that's kind of been a symbol that gets associated. Yes. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So instead of flat, Stanley, we're going to call this the flat hammer project. <laughs> and when Victoria goes somewhere cool or does something interesting, we will be flashing that up on the screen. Yes. So you will be with us in spirit. <laughs> you get to see what I'm up to. <laughs> Well, launching into today's topics, some of you will remember that last week we covered or briefly mentioned what was going on with the L.A. Dodgers, and that has continued to evolve. But just to bring people up to speed, this all started when the L.A. Dodgers decided to have Pride Night in June. Not only that, but they decided to give a Community Hero Award to a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And just to kind of give you an idea what they're all about, on their website, they describe themselves as an order of queer and trans nuns. And their whole mission is seems to be centered around trying to shock people into being desensitized to this, you know, area of LGBTQ promotion, just putting it in people's faces. And just to kind of give you an idea and... Real quick, let me just give a little parent warning that we are going to be discussing some much more mature themes throughout this podcast. So if you have little ones around, just quickly, you know, put them maybe out of hearing range. Um, So with that said, hopefully you having a little time to do that. Let me just try to explain what this group is all about. Um, So we can't even really describe it on the air. I would say Victoria really is just demonic and perverse things that are going on here. Um, But just to give one idea, they... They do sexualized presentations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it it is blasphemous. It is perverse. Um, Not to mention the mockeries of Bible verses. Um, You know, the Catholic faith, they they are often doing just an open mockery of that, making fun of their cherished traditions and different ways, of course, dressing up as nuns and things like that. And also, just to help people make another connection here that was interesting to me, Some of you may also remember a Biden administration official that got in trouble for stealing women's suitcases in the airport and then actually trying on their dresses. Um, And this person was at least formerly, he he held a leadership position at least at one time in a local chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Group. So it just gives you an idea of the kind of extremism (laughs) craziness that that this group is about that they are promoting with a Community Hero Award. But there is some good news coming out of all this darkness, and that is we have seen some incredible acts of courage. It's so encouraging. And Victoria, it actually made me think maybe we should consider adding a Profiles of Courage. Yeah, that would be more uplifting than sometimes our inconceivables are. Maybe we should mix up our satire with a little bit more encouragement. So something to think about. But I just wanted to start out this topic today uh, talking about this really brave L.A. Dodgers relief pitcher, Blake Trinan. Trinan? I said uh, Trinan. Trinan. Uh, we're going to put his statement on the screen for our YouTube viewers, but it's so powerful. I'm just going to go ahead and read it in its entirety for our audio listeners. Um, he said, I am disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performances are blasphemous, and their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. I understand that playing baseball is a privilege and not a right. My convictions in Jesus Christ will always come first. 
Since I have been with the Dodgers, they have been at the forefront of supporting a wide variety of groups. However, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. This single event alienates the fans and supporters of the Dodgers, Major League Baseball, and professional sports. People like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans do not want propaganda or politics forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies and professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave the propaganda and politics off the field. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe the word of God is true, and in Galatians 6-7 it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This group openly mocks Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of my faith, and I want to make it clear that I do not agree nor support the decisions of the Dodgers to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24, 15. Wow. I mean, I, I love that he directly included scripture. He didn't just say, you know, this violates my faith. He just put it out there. I feel like that's such a powerful thing. We know scripture doesn't turn void. Like it comes back. People, it, it plants seeds. So I think that's really powerful that he did that. And you kind of wonder if players, knowing that scripture, knowing that God won't be mocked and kind of feel like, look, I'm now playing on a team that is part of mocking. You know, I mean, they almost feel like, I am violating my own faith by having to be a part of this. And I think he's just kind of trying to say, like, I'm going to make my statement, um, but I'm, I'm proud of these players that stand up and, um, you know, uh, just are willing to speak out. And the fact that he said outright that this is promoting hate of Christians. Yeah. That's an important point. <laughs> that, that is the thing. It's not even just celebrating what, what we would say God would not celebrate, which is the LGBTQ plus stuff. But it is directly at the same time hating on our faith. It is yeah. discriminating against people of faith, which I think is kind of stunning. Um, It'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens to these players that have spoken out like this uh, right. um, as this continues to develop. But our Speak Up Virginia movement encourages people to take action. A lot of times we're taking action in protest of something or exposing something bad. So it's nice to be able to encourage action that's positive. And so I did want to encourage all of you, please take just a moment to send a note to Blake Trinan, thanking him for his incredible courage. And we're going to put the address on the YouTube screen for our YouTube viewers. But for those of you on audio, just write to the attention Attention, Blake Trinan, Los Angeles Dodgers, 1000 Allison Park Avenue. That's probably a famous address. Did I say that right? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> 1000 Allison, E-L-Y-S-I-A-N, Park Avenue, Los Angeles, California, 90012. All right. Well, the good news is he wasn't the only one, right? No, that I think that's the best part is that there were others. So Trevor Williams, who's a pitcher for the Washington Nationals, um, he basically also came out and, and, and said, look, this isn't appropriate. He said, and I'm going to quote it, to invite and honor a group that makes a blatant and deeply offensive mockery of my religion. So this is someone who's a person of faith and the religion of over four million people in Los Angeles County alone undermines the values of respect and inclusivity that should be upheld by any organization um, so I think that's a really strong statement and then you know he, he's making that point again that he makes the point basically directly that the Dodgers are violating their own 
non-discrimination policy, right? All these groups have that policy, and yet they think it's fine to do it on the faith issues, just not fine on other things. Yeah, I didn't think about that, that they have these non-discrimination policies saying that you shouldn't discriminate against any group, including religion. Right. So it's like everything's okay except religion. Yes. Like you can you can do whatever you want. Um, all groups, you have to protect all groups except maybe those that are religious. So I'm glad he called them out on that. Um, what makes these men's actions especially noteworthy is when you think about that they're just two guys out of some 900 baseball, baseball players. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it really makes them stand out. And I, you know, I think it's it's especially interesting when you put it in the context of what's also been going on um, with another ball player. I don't know if you've, you've followed this, but basically Toronto Blue Jays, um, a guy named Anthony Bass, um, simply dared to retweet. So this is just you know, someone else's words, put them, put it forward. Um, he retweeted, and he didn't even make a public statement, not his own statement, but he retweeted a video of a Christian man giving biblical reasons out of Ephesians 5 for participating in boycotts against companies like Target, right? We've talked about the Target thing going on. Um, and he gets hammered. I mean, he just gets pounded on for just simply retweeting this. And then comes out with this whole apology, which is just so disappointing that he felt the need to apologize in this way. And it, it kind of resembled the product of like a Maoist struggle session or whatever, where you have to like, anyway, but so basically this is what he says. He says, quote, I recognize yesterday that I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. And I'm truly sorry for that. I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. He went on to say, I apologize to them. And as of right now, I'm using Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. The ballpark is for everybody. We include the fans of at, at, at all fans at the ballpark and we welcome everybody. Right. So but apparently that's not even enough, by the way, that the Blue Jays manager has been tripping over himself to, you know, we're going to make sure this is remembered and keep working on this and whatever. I mean, it. It's, it's insane what's had to happen simply for him doing this retweet. That The apology was painful because it just sounds so forced. Like when you were little, apologize to your brother, you know, kind of feel. Yeah, we get a lot of apologies that are not totally apologies in our house. So, yes, um, where you're putting somebody under the gun. It's disturbing, and, yeah. But I do think it gave us a really powerful real-time demonstration of how this is going to play out for people of faith, because you've got these two different scenarios. You have one guy saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord no matter the cost. Uh, then this other person felt like he needed to apologize to just avoid whatever trauma was going to be happening, probably. And I think we're all going to have that choice. I don't I don't think any of us are going to be able to sit this cultural clash out on the sidelines. So we're going to all have to make that decision. Will we, you know, when push comes to shove, Will we be willing to risk everything and say, I'm going to follow the Lord? Or are we going to feel that temptation to say, I can't afford to lose my salary, my livelihood. I've got to protect my family from trauma. You know, what, what are we going to decide? It yeah. kind of makes you think. I, well, and I've been thinking about, you know, my daughter had to memorize all of uh, Hebrews 11 for her class. And part of it, it notes Moses and how Moses did, was not, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, you know, Pharaoh's daughter, like he didn't take that title. He was willing to be mistreated with the people of God rather than engage in the sinful nature of what was going on in his culture. And it's such a powerful thing. He's held out in the Hall of Fame for that, you know, the, the, the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I just sit there and think this is an exact example of like you're either going to get, you know, all the fame and fortune of being a baseball player and just go along, get along. 
or you're going to stand out and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where the chips are going to fall, but they've been willing to do that, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. And yeah, I think everybody's going to face this. And, you know, maybe the bigger their fame and fortune, the harder it is. I don't know. But I think everybody's own circumstances, it's just coming in every arena, in every workplace. Yeah. Well, recently I heard Kirk Cameron give an excellent sermon. He was the guest speaker at Cornerstone Chapel. I think that's in Loudoun yeah. area. Yeah. And he talked about how there's two kinds of people in this cultural battle. Reporters who just kind of look and see what's happening and report the facts and just kind of are constantly, this is happening, this is happening. And then there's reformers who actually take redemptive action. And Victoria, we have a heart here at Family Foundation for equipping people to be those reformers. Um, so let's just let Kurt Cameron speak for himself a little bit. Um, let's just listen to a small clip from that. As I've traveled the country, I've come to believe that we have a great shortage of brave men. I meet many men and women, but men whose countenance and attitude and responses to the, the evil that's descending upon us and our children revealing that they feel weakened and confused by our culture, castrated and powerless, controlled. And we, 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 we wonder why the culture crumbles. When you flip through your newsfeed, think of what you're seeing poisonous, toxic chemical clouds in the sky, increase of crime, disaster at the border, inflation, China, Russia, Ukraine, the economy, the World Economic Forum, drag queens entering in and sexualizing your children. How do you respond? Hey, it's the end times. It's the way it's all going to go down. It's just going to get darker. Man, I feel sad for our kids. Feel discouraged? Do you feel hopeless? Are you inching toward the cliff of despair every single day? Are you, are, are you getting hot with rapture fever? You just want God to get us out of here? What if this national setback is really a divine setup for a spiritual comeback led by the family of faith. Um, now, so we should, you know, put, put this, this talk in context. This is all sort of, you know, as we're being bombarded in Pride, Pride Month, you know, this is, we're now in June, and it's just all the transgender stuff everywhere for kids and baseball promotions and everything. And I think that's the real challenge, and that's kind of where all these – you know, this need to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and go, are we going to just keep absorbing this or are we going to, to battle back and be one who stands up for those things that God calls good? So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm just and I don't know who really designated this Pride yeah, Month how did it thing. Become Pride Month? I don't I don't know. But um, it's it's rather irritating that we have a whole month because I think we now have all year. It's just right. I mean, it just gets wor a little worse in June than it already yeah, is. Starts in May, June. I think we have October transgender. What it yes. Says. Yeah. Yes. And I think they just hijacked this whole thing to flood the public with more and more LGBTQ stuff.
Well, I do think people need to understand that's why you're seeing so much of this right now because it is supposedly June Pride Month. And I think it'd be good to help parents and others think, get their heads around, how do I navigate this month with my kids and my family? So as a mom, do you have some basic tips maybe to throw out there for parents just trying to navigate this whole month of LGBTQ plus whatever being everywhere that you look. Yeah, I mean, it starts with don't go to Target, but there's other, <laughs> there's, there's, there's beyond that. Um, uh, you know, I do think it's a little bit more of a hands on month with your kids, meaning, um, you know, if you're a person who normally drops your kids off at the library, this might not be the month to just let them hang out at the library roaming free because we're seeing schools, elementary schools with um, big displays of books. Um, and I'm sure public libraries are embracing all of that. Um, I just think it's important to keep reminding our kids that the the rainbow is the, the promise from God. It is the, it is a biblical symbol. And um, just to kind of keep pointing them to the true things um, and help them see this as the false. This is the, the false lies that our culture the tells. False hope. That false hope. We've talked about that before. And even just taking the symbol um, and just helping them understand what it was really intended for because they're going to see that everywhere this month yeah. um and it's 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 frustrating and of course age appropriateness is you know how to have the conversations uh, obviously depends on the age of your mm -hmm. of your child but helping your child understand and i i do actually see a little bit in my teenagers that they're sick of it too mm. they feel like it's pushed in their face i think i think there is a certain level of like other people are feeling like come on like can we, can yeah. we move on yet i mean yeah i love what you said about the rainbow because it kind of brings in a gospel approach redemptive we're we all fell short of God's right, promise right. and his rainbow is a reminder of his faithfulness to us despite that. And that's a great way too to help teens probably that are feeling that may they might not want to react in redemptive ways and it just maybe helps them remember, yeah. okay, let's use grace too. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. I mean, I think all these things really just help you have these conversations with kids about loving people and hating sin and how that all works. And so, I mean, I guess a positive way to look at it is we can look at this as we're getting lots of opportunities in the month of, of June to have these biblical conversations. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some things adults might navigate. I mean, I think we're going to have people in their companies maybe being forced to go to these so-called diversity trainings where they might be asked to sign an agreement that they agree with something that conflicts with their faith. There's the whole use of pronouns that they might run into, that they are having to say, I will use these pronouns. What are your thoughts for, you know, encouraging adults to navigate these things? I mean, every situation is different with every company and what they're going to ask you to do, what they're going to put in front of you on this, on this front. But I do think people should know that if their alarm bells are going off, if they're sitting here going, I can't agree to this. This is beyond just simply loving someone, right? Like if this, whatever you're being asked to do is beyond what scripturally you feel like you can do, I think that is why we have the Founding Freedoms Law Center. That is why we have a group that can say, no, at some point it's violating your faith. And so I can't speak to each individual situation, but I would say people should know to call Founding Freedoms Law Center if they feel mm -hmm. like they've been pushed beyond what should be appropriate for them. Yeah, we're at the point where it just may require some acts of courage and you to fight for your legal rights. Yeah. So that's where, like you said, yeah. our legal center comes in. But shifting gears, uh, we're going to talk about something besides LGBTQ for a moment. <laughs> and that is what's going on with abortion. And Victoria, 
you have done a lot of interviews lately about this issue that our state is becoming an outlier in the South. Bring us up to speed on what's happening with that. Yeah, I mean, basically what has happened is in recent weeks, um, North Carolina has taken the next step and they have uh, put a stricter ban on abortion and then South Carolina followed. And so essentially now we've got something like 18 states roughly that ban abortion sort of somewhere 12 weeks or lower. Um, And so and a lot of those are kind of in the South. And so Virginia is unfortunately kind of the holdout of being unwilling to protect the unborn, which is just sad to be, (laughs) you know, here working on life and our state can't get its act together to actually defend the unborn. But what it does is it um, it really kind of they they think that it makes Virginia sort of a, a destination for abortion, a tourism place. And we've started to see this because we already had West Virginia and Tennessee. And so we started to see this crop up in Southwest Virginia. And it's just it's just very concerning because essentially our abortion law now in Virginia is more akin to places like North Korea and China than it is to our neighboring states. Because it pretty much allows unlimited abortion yeah, to very we, late in the pregnancy. Right? Yes, we really do have essentially unlimited abortion. Um, it's for certain reasons in later pregnancy stages, mm-hmm. but it is Yeah, um, and certainly almost for any reason um, in the second trimester, which is terrible. You know, I noticed something else that was interesting in the news related to this, and that is that Planned Parenthood was announcing that it was making financial cuts. And at first I thought, okay, maybe this is good news. But then I realized, looking a little bit closer at it, that they're actually re-strategizing, that they're adjusting their whole look at things, perspective, where they're putting resources nationwide. Help us understand what's really going on there. Yeah, I mean, you got to understand we're about a year out of Dobbs, right? So the decision where abortion was forced back into the state. So we've kind of started to see where all the states are shaking out. Are they going to be red, blue on abortion? Are they going to protect life? And so what they've done is basically Planned Parenthood, Federation of America, and Planned Parenthood Action Fund have said that um, they're going to reimagine their national office and take 70 million dollars and put it down into the states and probably also into the election stuff that they do which is um but you know essentially what you'll see is more money for telehealth which is deeply disturbing which is Um, chemical abortion chemical abortion that's the yeah that's the code word um and um and i like i said i think elections and some other things Mm -hmm. like that so okay now just a side note i did notice that union members were complaining about these cuts and I thought well in a dark way that's kind of humorous because I didn't know Planned Parenthood was unionized. I mean I think it's great when they get a taste of their own medicine a little (laughs) bit like you guys push these policies and now they're kind of flying up against you but yeah. All right well what's the takeaway for people in the commonwealth how do we respond to our state you know being them trying to turn it into an abortion destination well i think we know with planned parenthood putting more money at the states and knowing that virginia is kind of this holdout that it won't protect human life i think we need to double down on what we're doing in our localities and so family foundation has been a part of a big effort mostly in the southwest of virginia to create safe zones for life where counties are themselves saying we want to protect life within our own borders we don't want an abortion center to move in here and then exploit women who cross state lines or our own community. And so I think people need to kind of think about that for their own county. And now, especially with North Carolina, I think we need to see that along the border on the, you know, on the southern border of Virginia as well. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about Dobbs is that it did open it up to not only state but local level. And people don't realize the empowerment they have at the local level to do things through city council to protect lives. So I just want to encourage people to pay more attention to our safe zone for life movement. You will be seeing more come out about that. So that's that's good news. Uh, I'll just wrap up today by thank you, thanking everyone for listening. 
Remember to share the link to our Speak Up Virginia playlist. And if you're listening on audio on Spotify or Apple, make sure you give us a review that helps get the show out there more. And remember, we are stronger when we speak together. Thank you.